Let's get into this week's news recap. Jumping in with our sports update, yesterday was our last home softball game of the season. We had a great turnout of students and community support for our sophomore day. Stay tuned to the Northwest Tech Facebook page to find photos of the event. Our softball team will be heading to Great Bend to compete against Barton Community College on Saturday, April 30th. They will then turn around and play in Garden City on Monday, May 2nd. Our track team will be traveling to Hayes on Friday to compete at the FHSU Alex Francis Classic Track Meet. For Student Life this week, tonight, students are invited to join us in the assembly room for a line dancing class at 6.30 p.m. Dances such as the electric slide will be taught not just country and western. If that isn't incentive enough, if we have a good turnout, we will be considering offering a PE credit in the fall of 2022. We are in the last home stretch of this spring semester and invite the community of Goodland to join us in celebrating our 2021 graduates at the graduation ceremony on March 13th at the Max Jones Fieldhouse. I am so excited to have the opportunity to meet in person with our interview of the week. We are recording in the state capital of Topeka with one of our CSI graduates who now works for the Kansas Department of Children and Families. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Jesse Sturmbreaker. I am from Topeka, I guess, and I am a missing and runaway specialist for the state of Kansas. Okay, so you're from Topeka. How did you end up at Northwest Tech? Um, so I, <laughs> so I was dating my husband now, and he got a scholarship to wrestle out there. And I figured I would just follow him out there and, and go into the CSI program. Um, I was attending Washburn University here in Topeka for criminal justice and wanted to go into more detailed um, of a degree like crime scene investigation. And it worked out great. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what year did you arrive on campus and when did you graduate? Um, we... Moved down there August of 2014 and then graduated May of 2016. So what inspired you to go into that kind of field to begin with? Um, my junior year in high school, I took a criminal justice class just to as a fill-in. Um, never really piqued my interest before. And then the teacher, Mr. Hensel, um, assigned a report on... Um, serial killers <laughs> and I got John Wayne Gacy and then doing the report and and digging into the details and stuff just I was hooked right away and fell in love after that <laughs> wow so then the CSI program at the college once you were there it's pretty diverse in all the things they cover so can you tell me a little bit about maybe some of like the chapters that intrigued you the most you said serial killers so yeah. is it that sort of <laughs> it's uh, that sounds weird but <laughs> yeah so like the forensic psychology of serial killers and like how they how their mind works is so fascinating but um a lot of the chapters like like homicide investigation interview and interrogation um blood spatter analysis I I was hooked in every chapter that they were teaching us uh i I was always changing what I wanted to do based on what chapter we were on. So it was, I'm going to help kids. No, I'm going to be a homicide detective. I'll be a police officer. It it changed so many times. <laughs> wow. So kind of going back, are there any memorable stories from your time at the college that you would, would be willing to share? Yeah, I 
talk about the field trips that we took all the time. <laughs> uh, the autopsy field trips. We visited a prison. Um, me and another student went with Mrs. I to pick up uh, cow heads to study the stages of decomposition. Uh, <laughs> so that was like a little mini field trip. Um, I, I just, I fully enjoyed all of those experiences and they really helped. I learned a lot from them. So. Yeah. So um, <laughs> after you graduated, how did you decide what direction you were going to go? Um, I actually got into corrections right away, um, working at the Shawnee County Juvenile Detention Center. And back then, a lot of the kids that were in the jail were runaways from foster care. And so I'd hear those kids' stories, and they just broke my heart. And I felt that there's something that I could do with that. I wanted to help them. And so then I applied for the Department for Children and Families um, investigating child abuse and neglect. And then this current position opened because they, the state realized, like, we have too many kids that are missing or running away. We need to solve this and get down to the bottom of it. And um, so I applied, and I was one of the first positions that they had to cover the whole state. I was one of two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So can you tell me a little bit about what that experience was like, realizing that was kind of the calling for the direction you wanted to go? It just – it felt right just because of, like, my own, like, childhood experiences and stuff these I, I feel like I could resonate with these kids obviously I don't know how their situations are making them feel but I kind of knew what I would want to hear and so that's kind of what I I put myself in their shoes and I would just kind of tell them and reassure them that like it's okay now because we're involved and we're not leaving so I'm kind of a stable support for these kids and they desperately need that so yeah. it felt great <laughs> that's awesome would you be willing to explain kind of like what your um, job is now? Yeah. Um, so my job right now is to look for the missing and runaway kids in foster care all over Kansas. Um, there's a team of us now, um, about 10 or 12 people, um, and they're spread out throughout the whole state. So we look for the kiddos, and then once we find them, um, they're obviously running for a reason. And so we just want to get to the bottom of, like, why are you running? Is there somewhere you feel safe that we could get you placed at? Um, is, there, is there something else I can help you with, like addiction or getting out of a scary situation, like human trafficking, things like that. Um, we work close with law enforcement and um, NICMIC. It's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We work closely with them to help with this. And um, – Coming up with this position, they have dramatically reduced the kids that have been running. And so the prevention side has been amazing. And I don't know, it's we've helped out a lot of kids this, this way, getting them just placed back with like friends. Um, because a lot of them are, they run to their best friend's house, they run back to a family member. Um, and a lot of the times, not every foster home, but some foster homes, you know, they they get treated like this is the toothpaste you're going to get or with case managers and stuff too. Like this is the toothpaste you're going to get. You're going to have to deal with it for now. Um, some people treat these kids like criminals too. And they're not, they're not criminals. These are just children that were handed a, that were in a bad situation to begin with. And so they don't know how to process it. So they decide to run. Um, mm -hmm. That's amazing to hear that it's been able to reduce so much. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> I'm excited to hear that. Would you be willing to share any of your experiences that have been rather motivating for you? Yeah. Um, so obviously there's hard times with the with this job too, but um, most of the time there's kiddos that just have a way of pulling on your heartstrings. And um, 
we've helped kiddos get driver's license, um, job, job applications, cars, things like that. Um, reconnected with family. Um, I would say there's one kiddo that <laughs> sticks in mind. I, she calls herself my twin because we have the same color hair. But <laughs> but um, if that's what her connection is, that's I roll with it. So I call her my twin too. And I was involved with her for a couple years. And uh, we bonded over Bobo's milkshakes because I picked her up from where she wasn't supposed to be. And we're just taking her to where she was going to be. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we stopped and got Bobo's milkshakes and both got strawberry um, and now after staying in contact with her, she wanted to go into the criminal justice field as well. And so I suggested like working at the JDC or the, the prison here, women's prison. And so that's what she did. She went and applied at the women's prison, got a job. Now she's a corrections officer and she's doing amazing for herself. And Aww. yeah, I'm really proud of her. That's awesome. <laughs> Jumping off of that, would you be willing to share maybe like a moment that you found incredibly inspiring or, um, further motivating? Um, yeah, I would say that finding some of the kids that are in not so good situations like human trafficking situations, when you recover them and you realize that this is it, they're gonna, they're accepting help now because they obviously have like a different mentality and they're victims and so it's hard to overcome that. But when they're ready to overcome that, it's, it's motivating to just kind of know like you are doing the right thing. Like you are, and you're actually helping people, not just saying you're helping people but you can tell that you're act you're actually doing something with these kids and it's important to them and it's important to us too so mm -hmm. and being in such a high intensity job could would you share some of the steps you take to um, maintain your own mental health um yeah I so I do jujitsu Brazilian jujitsu and <laughs> um so that that has helped out tremendously with uh self-care and and because on the mats, you just, you leave outside life behind. Like, you're you're in there focused on your next move. Um, your brain is just turned off, and your body's just doing it. And it's it's amazing. It's a lifesaver for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. How did you get into that? Um, my husband, actually, <laughs> he's been doing it since he was, like, 13. Um, I didn't do it at first. And then at Northwest Tech, he started a... Um, mixed martial arts like society little club thing there there's <laughs> only three of us involved but um so I would go with him and he would teach some some technique and loved it instantly fell in love and then um we moved back to Topeka and I started going to his gym and I realized that at um working corrections at the the JDC there were times that we'd have to go like hands-on with kids and stuff and I'm a tiny person I'm not doing anything to anybody I'm not holding anybody and so with jiu-jitsu they were teaching like how to hold somebody obviously without hurting somebody and so I realized I needed to do that for my own safety and and then I fell in love with it even more and now I'm here five years later. <laughs> <laughs> well I bet you guys would be excited to hear we're actually having Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu classes. What? I was like that's so specific no but for way. some reason that's a class we offer now. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. So would you um, explain a little bit going back to your time at the college could you share your cultural experience coming from Topeka, which is our <laughs> state capital, to basically the middle of nowhere? What was that transition like? Um, it was weird at first. Um, so people are really nice in Goodland, and everybody knows about everybody. And <laughs> um, it's a farm town, which is completely different from here. 
Um, I would say, I don't know. It was, it was nice. It was nice living there um, due to the people. Like, I didn't run into any anybody that was rude at all. And everybody was there, like, just wanted to be helpful to a random stranger. And it was, I don't know. <laughs> it was just... It's different. Oh, it's really different from Topeka because here everyone just kind of keeps to themselves. They, they're they rude to random people they don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That's don't definitely true. That. <laughs> um, would you be able to pinpoint any of the specific like lessons you were taught either in not only in class but like in life in general that you learned throughout your time there that you kind of refer back to now? Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> So, um, uh, Showalter actually gave me a keychain that said, um, be smart, work hard and do the right thing. And that has been my motto ever since I read it. And I was like, done, I got it. I'm going to, I'm going to always be smart. I'm going to always use my, use my brain. I'm always going to work hard to get what I want. And, and I'm going to always do the right thing. Integrity was a big thing that they taught and, you know, doing the right thing when nobody's watching and I think that's just really stuck with me through, like, any time that I get in a hard situation, I just break down those three steps, and it's always seemed to work out so far. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any future career goals that you're currently pursuing? Um, no, not not really. I know that you should always be trying to improve yourself, but I really like this position. I really like working with these kids, and I really like knowing that I'm actually helping them and being a stable support for them because like I said they don't they don't have that and and I I can't just leave them if that makes sense I like I truly care about these kids that we work with and it it's hard and there's kids that are in their 20s now that still call us every day and just to say hey I'm doing great and I'm like that's really good to hear I'm really proud of you and there's a kid that calls me and um my friend Taylor she works with me (laughs) we do the same thing and um he calls us her his big sis and we're always there cheering him (laughs) on and yeah so so I'm not pursuing anything right now but that could change doors open so Mm -hmm. (laughs) is there any pieces of advice you would give to someone who's looking to go into this type of a career yeah I would say put your ego aside and this job is almost like a culture shock too because there's some people that I've worked with that come from like um, better off families, uh, smaller towns, things like that too, that they're just not, they're just not aware that these things are going on. And so I would say just like make yourself aware and don't be afraid to help anybody that you might think would need help. (sighs) I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would just say that always work hard, um, and always continue to strive to help people. Just be nice because you never know what anybody else is going through. And you can always extend a hand to help. Mm -hmm. So I'd say talk to people too. Talk to your kids. Because scary stuff happens in this world. (laughs) Yeah. Last question. Have you been able to stay in contact with any of your instructors or peers? Well, I guess you're married to one of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, obviously Showalter. I like, I I don't, obviously I don't talk to him all the time. But um, we're definitely friends on Facebook and I definitely like seeing him and his life succeed, and I don't know. He's doing great in life, and that's good to see. Um, Mrs. I as well. She's doing great. 
I stalk her on Facebook too. Hey, Miss I. But <laughs> um, and and then there's other friends that I'm or other p- classmates that I'm friends with on Facebook that I I do I do look and make sure they're doing well and cheering them on from behind the social media screen. <laughs> but yeah, I I do like to text Showalter and let him know like, hey, like I appreciate everything that he did for me. Like this wouldn't be possible without that guy, and he he deserves to know <laughs> that he's appreciated and. Good work is happening. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I just wanted to say thank you for the work that you're doing. That is really <laughs> inspiring, and I enjoy hearing about it a lot. But Thank you. <laughs> and also thank you for being willing to come on the podcast and tell everyone about it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. This was the MAV on campus. 